You're listening to the Human Business Narrative Podcast with your host, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Eastern European, Ivan Tamilkov. Yo, what's up, you lovely humans? My name is Ivan Tamilkov, a digital practitioner, human evangelist, and startup founder of razorsharpdigital.com a human marketing agency that helps brands develop their digital governance through human to human convergence thank you for tuning into episode 13 of the human business narrative podcast and today's special guest is ted rubin if you're a first-time listener thank you for downloading my podcast i'm truly humbled and most grateful to you for spending the time in doing so this is a podcast where we do, where we discuss human business human centricity entrepreneurship digital marketing social media and special guests like ted rubin and other industry experts share their compelling stories for business growth the one major key takeaway that you should be extracting from this episode is the importance of human centricity and entrepreneurship business and marketing in today's modern digital world before i forget head on over to bit.ly forward slash human business to download your free copy on the five essentials of strategic human marketing this is a great resource to have in your marketing arsenal and to reflect upon if you are interested in being a guest on this podcast, please send me an email at ivan at razorsharpdigital.com or you can simply tweet at me at hbnpodcast. And there you have it, guys. So that was my uh, quote-unquote elevator pitch. Uh, I'm sure it sounded like it. And the reason I put this together is, well, to have sort of a more of a cohesive intro to the podcast. Uh, if you're a first time listener, especially, you're probably wondering what that long intro was uh, about. So now that we have the elevator pitch, elevator spiel uh, out of the way is I want to go ahead and dive right into the guest interview with Ted Rubin, because this was really a, a great dynamic, a lot of lots of great synergy. Uh, Ted is someone who I followed for quite some time. He is the the guy behind the R and R hashtag in social media. Uh, in case you guys don't know who he is, and without stealing his thunder, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to him so he can drop the knowledge bombs and hopefully help you guys extract some key takeaways from that guest interview. And I will be back on the flip side. Enjoy the guest interview, and here we go. Ted Rubin on the mic. Hello, everyone. Ivan Temelkov here from the Human Business Narrative Podcast. And today I am joined by none other than Ted Rubin. Ted, how's it going? It's going great, Ivan. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for reaching out. And uh, thanks for making this audio so I can sit here in my underwear and have this conversation. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I needed that many details, but <laughs> that's great to hear. That's great to hear. And I, I, You know, I always <laughs> like to start off these things with a good visual. Sure. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, it's lucky for me that my camera is not working. So I don't, I guess I'm fortunate in that regard of not having the full visual, but thank you for that mental visual. I think it has registered um, in my brain. I'm so ecstatic to have you on Ted. 
uh, because you're someone that you know I've I've been following for a while and big advocate for what you're doing. Um, I've had several other past guests um, on the podcast that have advocated for you and have said a lot of phenomenal things about you. And I thought this was a great opportunity to have you on and chat a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got started, you know, what you're doing today. So with that being said, can you give us kind of a formal intro of uh, who you are, what your story is, and how did you get into what you're doing today? Huh. Listen, uh, Ivan, I'm 59 years old. We could This could go on for about two hours. So I'm going to try <laughs> the, the, the knockdown version. Um, years ago, I got into the investment business. I worked at it for um, about, let's see, from 1980, for about 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. I got out. Uh, a big part of what I did when I when I first got into investments was I was I was a stockbroker. I was building sales teams, and I started training salespeople. So I started doing it again. I started training salespeople and and helping build sales teams. And it kind of started having me look at the marketing side of things because I was mm-hmm. always a believer that marketing and sales didn't really talk enough to each other. And then all of a sudden, this thing called the internet came along, and a buddy of mine said, "Dude, you have to look at this. Like, I know you're looking for something new. Uh, I know you want to get back to New York." I had moved to Florida and I started investing. I got, I got online for the first time. I started mm-hmm. reading articles for jobs and I read this article about Seth Godin and it was yeah. an interview of Seth. And, and in the, in the, the end of the interview, they said that the, the interviewer said, you know, it sounds like you're building this great company. Um, do you have any job openings? And he mm-hmm. said, well, I have no particular openings, but I will always hire a smart person and we desperately need people that can sell something that no one's ever sold before. And I'm like sitting there literally in my living room, two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. in my underwear again, saying, <laughs> that's, you know, and, and, and I wrote a letter, yes, a real letter to Seth Godin and, and sent my resume and said, listen, I'm your guy. I'm smart and I can sell anything. And my sure. wife at the time, who my ex-wife for many years uh-huh. said to me, what are you an idiot? Why are you applying somewhere where there's no jobs? And a few days later, I got a call. And I got my first job um, working for Seth um, up in New York at a company called Yo-Yo Dine. And it's where I got my first intro to all of this. I was very, very lucky. I moved up without my family. So I had all this time on my hands. So I was in the office early mornings and so was Seth. And I just listened to him hold forth on all these ideas he had. He coined the term permission marketing when I was there. Uh He wrote the article company that became the bestseller. And it was really the beginning of my thinking of this whole concept of return on relationship. I'd always been a relationship guy, although I, mm-hmm. I use the term networking a lot, which uh, um, networking has its uses, but I like to say that a network gives you reach, but a community gives you power. And when yeah. you build relationships, you build communities. And for years and years, I called myself a networker. And I finally realized that what I really am is a community builder. Mm-hmm. And it it led me through, you know, all of one Web 1.0, and I ended up very fortunately at this company called Elf Cosmetics, EyeslipsFace.com. Mm-hmm. They were a start cosmetics company started by a father son. They were family owned. They were doing about five or six million dollars in sales, and they were having trouble breaking out of that because they had no marketing budget. Mm-hmm. And they offered me a job of CMO, and basically said to me, "Do whatever you want as long as we don't have to write a check." <laughs> and okay. amazing thing called social media had just kind of recently emerged. It was 2008. Sure. Social platforms were just starting to really scale. And I shut down everything they were doing in, in a little bit in the social arena and a lot of their traditional marketing other than email marketing and search. And I jumped in with both feet. And I took the social and I combined it. I, I did something very new at that time was I tried to integrate the social with the email 
with with the search. Sure. And we the company flourished. Um, in, in two years, they grew to fifty million dollars in sales. Um, I left in 2010. It was a family-owned business. Mm-hmm. I kind of done my job, and now they're a one and a quarter billion dollar company. So um, it was really exciting, and it gave me a really early view into social. So there, sure. there's my introduction: is that I was there early at a sure. company that let, let me do anything I wanted. I was making friends with some of the big CEO, CMOs who were experimenting with social, but were afraid mm-hmm. because of yeah. their little teams and their C-suite wouldn't let them do it. So Jeffrey Hazlett was at Kodak then, Barry Judge was at Best Buy. Mm-hmm. We'd sit around and, and brainstorm ideas, and at the end of it, when we came up with a great idea, they'd look at me and go, why don't you try it? Wow, wow. And I had to try it first because they were worried about whether they could get anybody to let them do it. And sure. it just gave me a great education, and it also opened my eyes to the fact that in this, in this space, everything is about trying things and experimenting. Right, right, right. Ted, that's an that's an amazing story, actually. So let me touch on a couple of things. First of all, I had no idea that you work for Seth. I mean, Seth is probably one of the first guys that I discovered when I even got into into marketing. I mean, he was one of those guys that I mean, like you mentioned just a, a second ago is just that an innovator, someone that was always, you know, forefront, uh, a trendsetter, always ahead of the times. And, you know, I'm sure that you know, having worked for Seth and absorbing that, you know, immense amount of knowledge has really, really helped you with your career. And it sounds like you've worked for some great companies, too, that is really attributed to. And by the way, I didn't even know you were investing. I always thought that just based on the perception in the social space specifically that, you know, you were always in social. You started out in social, but I had no idea that, you know, you were on the cusp of all of this. Not to mention is that, you know, being surrounded with Seth. Um, so that, that's an amazing story, which leads me kind of to the next question I wanted to uh, ask you is, you know, your signature approach is R&R. And I think there's, there's so much question about uh, so much uncertainty about ROI and marketing and business specifically. So tell us a little bit about tell the listeners a little bit about what R&R, R&R is and why do brands need to embrace this? Well, first, let me just tell you how it started. You know, as far as where I when I started using the term and thinking about it, I was at Elf Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I was um, we were every you know we were every day we did a lot of direct sales, did a lot of email marketing, and I started building this social community, and it really flourished because I was very lucky. Then a lot of the other big uh, cosmetic brands. We're, we're afraid of social and really mm-hmm. talking to customers. So I'm in this area of, of cosmetics. Women love cosmetics, Ivan. I mean, they become little yeah. girls again. I don't care yeah. how important they are, what level they are in their business or anything. You send them a box of free cosmetics and they get all girly and they start taking right. pictures right. and they get all excited. So <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this product and I was building this huge social following. And of course, every day, just because it was a family owned business and sure. they weren't spending a lot of money on it, doesn't mean they weren't saying, well, where's the ROI? And, and, and when are we going to be able to sell these people? And right. and I and I was holding them off because I I t- quickly understood that I was building a community. And if you walk into your community and immediately try to sell them something, they they get right away they get their backs up and the walls come up and the force fields come up and they say, oh, all this guy wants it. he doesn't really want to be our friend. He just wants to sell us something. Sure. So I kept holding them off, and they call me in every month and say, okay, is it time? Like you're bigger than Sephora. Our social presence is bigger than Sephora. Our social presence is bigger than Estee Lauder. Why right. aren't we selling them? I go, well, we are. They're just buying it in another place. They're not buying it socially, but because right. they know us, because they talk to us, 
Have you noticed our emails have been open more? Our our ads are being clicked on more. Our sales are going up. I know we can't draw a direct line. So one day I'm in a meeting with them, and they started pushing me. And I look at them and I go, guys, I, literally, uh, Ivan, it, this was something I've been thinking yeah, about. Yeah. I might set it in my own head, but I look at them. It's, I said, look, all, I know how important ROI is, but it's not just about ROI. It's about ROR. And they're like, what's right. that? And I go, right. it's return on relationship. And they go, return on relationship. And the two of them, and these are two hard-nosed business guys, they yeah. start rubbing their heads and they, and they go, Hmm. And I got very lucky now, Ivan, because I did not have much more to say. And they looked at their watches and they go, okay, listen, we're done. And we've got somebody meeting us here in five minutes. Let's get back together the end of the week and talk more more about this return of relationship. So I run out of the office. I go out to my Twitter handle at the time, which I I had what people thought were a lot of followers in 2009. um, I had 2,000 followers or something. And I tweeted out, it's not just about return on investment, ROI. It's about ROR, return on relationship. And I got about 20 retweets in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. so I've made this something I do with everything. When I have an idea, I tweet it because right away I can get sure. a very quick pulse of whether there's uptake on it or on whether somebody relates to it. And it went crazy. And then I started you know, calling up all my smart friends, the guys that I used to like sit and brainstorm with and say, hey, let's right. talk about this a little bit because I need something to talk about at the end of the week. And little by little, I started wrapping my arms around this stuff, something I've really believed my whole life, that the better you know sure. people, the more you talk to them. And, and what I've come to realize is that – Commerce has come full circle. It used to be you shop with your local merchant. He knew you. He knew your family. He wanted to keep you happy. He knew if you weren't happy, you'd bring it back. Um, he knew your family. Then everything became anonymous. There were all right. these huge department stores, and everyone thought they could shop without being known. But what they didn't realize is they were being tracked every second anyway, even before all these platforms. American Express was tracking them, and right. they were being pushed products. So they were giving up all the information, but they weren't getting anything for it. And now – I'm talking fast because I know we don't have a lot of time. Now <laughs> we've come full circle where everybody's getting all our information and we're okay with that as long as we get real value in return as long as when ivan walks in the store they don't just say whoa ivan like in a computerized voice they actually know who you are they remember what you bought last absolutely i make a like so how did that shower curtain work out i've got something else great for your bathroom um and 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 so it's become so much more about relationships and and then i you know also in b2b it's even more important because truth be told most business-to-business commerce is, is commodities. Everyone's selling the same thing, and people do business with people. They would. There's a great line, and right. I forgot who. It's not mine, so don't give me credit for it. But it says that everybody would, everything being equal, everyone would prefer to buy something from someone they like and know than someone they don't. Right. And then it says everything not being equal, everyone would prefer to buy from someone they like and know. Right, so right. you can create that kind of attachment and you can do it at scale, which I believe you can. And that's probably for another another podcast because it's a lot longer conversation. The ROI can be tremendous. So I started writing about this. I started talking about it. I started executing it at Elfair. Sales sure. were going up and we never once offered a coupon code via social. I wouldn't right, allow right. it. I protected it like it was my baby. Yeah. I mean yeah. – well, when I finally left, they went crazy promoting share on social. And for a little while, they got a lot of backlash until they finally came back and realized, you know, that they could do all those sales via email, but that sure. you were building this relationship, you were building this community, you were getting people to care about what you were doing, and everybody would talk about it for you. So, what, what I, just to simplify it for you, audience, right. and, and I this a lot, is that I like to say that ROR and the hashtag I use, as you know, is R on R, R O N R, return right. relationship. 
Simply put is the value that's accrued by a person or a brand due to nurturing a relationship. ROI is simply dollars and cents. ROR is the value, both perceived and real, that will accrue over time through connection, loyalty, recommendations, and sharing. And if if brands are smart and they adopt it, it's used to define and educate companies, brands, and people about the importance of creating authentic interaction and engagement. And if you boil it down to its simplest form, ROI is about dollars and cents. ROR is about people. Well, the thing is, so so a couple of things I want to touch upon, and, and thank you for going into great detail on R&R. That's exactly uh, what, I was, what I was hoping to get from you is just that I think that a lot of brands are still under the mindset that ROI is of a monetary sense. ROI has to have direct correlation. ROI has to have some level of quantification. And what you talked about in the definition of R&R, it's about forging relationships and about cultivating a community. If you do that, like you mentioned, we live in an experience era, and that's just how consumers interact with products and services nowadays. And brands need to understand that if they embrace R&R, the R&R approach, it could have a much bigger ROI as opposed to being stuck in the traditional mindset of trying to quantify ROI in everything that they do, in every marketing channel, in every every marketing campaign that invoke. So that was, that was great to create that comparison. I just wanted to touch upon that because uh, I, I like you uh, in this podcast too. What we talk a lot about is human marketing, human business, human centricity, community, which are things that, you know, you mentioned as part of being R on R and why brands need to uh, embrace R on R and stop thinking in terms of ROI behind everything that they do. Well, is- let, let, me ju- let me just make sure there's one thing I want to add to that because I want to sure. be really clear because I, I hear a lot of people think that I'm saying that it's R on R or ROR versus ROI. It's not. What mm-hmm. I'm saying and you said it in part of what you just said just about a minute or two ago, mm-hmm. it's that ROR will enhance ROI. In other words, I right. get how important ROI is. It is. It's important in everything. It's important in our personal lives. We put an ROI on everything. I'll spend more time with this guy because he gives me, it can give me pleasure, because he helps me. There's a million different reasons. Right. That we do that, but we're always measuring. But the fact, what I'm trying to say is that if you if you take this mindset of return on relationships, and that relationships are like muscle tissue, the more you engage them, the stronger and here's the key word, more valuable they will become. Then you wrap that around all your what you're doing, and it will enhance the ROI at every touch point. Yeah, absolutely. And that that was exactly that was right on. Right on the money right there. It's hitting the nail on the head. And thank you so much for, for going into uh, great detail. The next question I wanted to ask, and I'm trying to really maximize our time, is um, I know that you're all about, uh, all about return on relationships. So what are your thoughts on human marketing and human business? How do you do you think that it, that's something that brands need to embrace as part of the R&R methodology? Well, you know what? I'm not really sure how you're defining. Um, I know there's like certain movements and stuff, but to me, sure. all, all business is human. And and I think that because we've developed these tools that automate so much, we tend to lose the human aspect. But if you forget it and you forget that business is human and you don't humanize it, you're going to suffer. Now, there are certain businesses where that's not the case. So right. there are cases that can be made about certain things. 
you know, and, 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 and it's very often, and also there's parts, there's demographics for every product. There's groups where it's just about the money. Sell it to me cheap. I'll buy anything. I don't care about the customer experience. I don't care about the customer service, mm-hmm. but that's a, to me, that area is, is, is getting smaller and smaller. Sure. And I think that, that, the point you're making, I believe, is that we've got to start thinking of people as human beings. And the Absolutely. way I try to point it out to, to people and the way I think it gets missed, and I was talking about this yesterday to somebody I had dinner with, mm-hmm. um, I, I, Robert Moore that I do a lot of stuff with who works with um, – with, he does production and, and does some shows at Roker Studios, uh-huh. is that, is that um, – you have to stop looking at things as a marketer. In other words, we view so many things. Um, I sit in meetings and someone says something about how something won't work, and I go, but you're not viewing it as a customer, you're viewing it as a marketer. Start putting yourself in the seat of the customer. Almost everything I write about, I will rarely take on an assignment or, or a consulting gig or something for a product I've never used or something I have no interest in. Like I am not the guy to hire to help you promote something that I don't use or I don't know about. And most of what I write about, when you see me write a blog post and I write about Best Buy or I write about Lisa mattresses or it's because I've actually needed one and I I renovated my home and I was buying a new mattress and I got a Lisa and I experienced everything they did or I was putting in my TVs and my electronics and I made the mistake of going to Best Buy, we'll go there another time Mm -hmm. Uh, or you can see my blog post. You know, that's why, because I'm looking at it as a consumer not as a marketer, and so many of us look at it as marketers, and I, I was also with Jeffrey Roars yesterday, who's the CMO of Yext. I've known Jeffrey since probably 2008. He was the CMO uh, of, of Exact Target. He, he, was mm-hmm. a, he was a VP at, at, after, after they were bought um, um, at Salesforce, and now he's the CMO of Yext. And he was asking me like, what I thought was happening with social and where social were going because he keeps hearing from all these people that it's gotten way too promotional. And my immediate answer was social is what you make it. So if I want it to be promotional, then all I do is promote. All I do is click on things that are sure, promotional and not, sure. I'll see. If I want to make it personal, then I have conversations and then my people that I'm that I'm like that I'm commenting on so many people don't understand the way this works they'll say you know oh my god you know you're always in my feed and you're you're anti-trump and I'm for Trump and I'm like well I'm in your feed because you comment <laughs> on everything I post right 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 so, so Facebook thinks you're interested in me so they're gonna keep showing it to you right so it's like back to your humanization thing yeah it, it's about remembering like when you talk to people and get their quotes from these quote-unquote social marketers social gurus social experts right they're all talking from a social aspect they're talking to you as a business person and they forget and one of the reasons I participate in all these platforms as Ted Rubin and I hate when I meet a VP of social media or brand who says oh I don't do social for myself how can you not do social for yourself or be a VP for a company because all you're getting is the marketing the brand side of it you're not understanding the human and the personal side of it absolutely well Ted uh, I get a little passionate sorry no, no, not, 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 not at all. So, I mean, one of the reasons why I was so ecstatic to have you on the podcast is uh, let me share uh, someone who advocated for you that anytime you have people like uh, Dennis Yu was actually the gentleman who advocated for you. And he said, you know, um, I was in, in New York about 10 years ago, I think you mentioned, and he was a prior guest yeah. and said, you know, I, I had lost my wallet and I, I had nothing. And this guy, Ted Rubin, that I had met, you know, was – 
basically you showed them, you know, what a human does, you know, you help them get around and, you know, so that really got my mind jogging because I'm like you, Ted, is is that things that you just mentioned that, you know, a lot of social gurus and marketing gurus, you know, they talk the business talk, but they forget the human aspect. And I mean, let's see what has happened to major brands like, you know, um, uh, Blockbuster, uh, Circuit City, uh, you know, Macy's um, is, 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 is cutting jobs because they don't have a human element also in their business, not to mention they're still marketing the way they've been marketing 50 years ago. So this was one of the reasons why I want to have you on is because you practice what you preach when it comes to R&R. And I think it's extremely important as a takeaway from this podcast episode for brands to understand the intricacy of relationships of community and how business is going to be done moving forward, that business is relying, is at the mercy of consumers. And you need to understand consumers from a human aspect to understand what they want, what they like. Like you said, you wouldn't buy a, you wouldn't promote a product or a service if you didn't believe in it as much as a brand would push you to do it, right? Because you just don't believe in it. And that's just, I think the current state in the current day and age that we're in is that, you know, consumers and, and human beings just think that way. They, they won't engage with a product or a service unless they truly believe in it, as much as a brand will try to push it to them. So that was a really good point that you mentioned. And the last question I wanted to ask you a little bit about is, since I know social has been really kind of at the core of everything that you've done is, what are your thoughts on social media evolving over the next couple of years? Do you foresee any uh, new trends and patterns that would emerge, particularly from an RR perspective? Okay, so, you know, it's funny because that was part of the conversation with Jeff Rose when he was asking me, what do I see happening? Because a lot mm-hmm. of people are saying it's getting overcrowded and there's too much promotion. And that goes back to what I said to you a little bit earlier that it is what we make of. So, you know, here's my real feeling is that I believe that little by little, it's really cool. Return on relationship is, and the concept of it, whether mm-hmm. they call it that or not, is catching on. And just recently, and I, I always talk about advocating for keep saying what you think, keep writing about it, keep talking about it. It's like, it's like, it's like brand marketing. You're talking about what you believe in and eventually people will start picking it up. And just this year, I've had a couple of brands reach out to me and we're negotiating that they want to wrap their arms around return on relationship. They want to say sure. that they are return relationship brand so for me that all goes to the book I wrote after return on relationship uh, 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 which was really a one-liner I started using which was about looking people in the eye digitally mm-hmm. and I've been talking about this for a while it's an extension of return on relationship because it means when we're when we're when we're participating on on, on all these different platforms no matter what they are that you got to start call people by name recognize them know something about them look at their background it's all there for you don't just click a button and think you've made a friend sure. so I, I've been saying this for a while but I really believe that 2018 you know needs to be the year and will be the year of looking people in the eye digitally because the last few decades of marketing tactics have made us lazy communicators most often mm-hmm. we don't even pay attention to who we're talking to other than the data we collect and sure. even that's amazing. Half the time that data goes into a collection and nobody even analyzes it. And in order to fix this, we really got to, and to start benefiting from these social relationships and platforms, both as individuals and companies, we need to start looking people in, in the eye digitally. And, yeah. and I like to say that we don't need to fit we don't need to fit our world to digital. We need to fit digital to our world. And, and it's just 
It's just time to stop making excuses and start bringing in-person social skills to the digital world. All the positive benefits are out there waiting, and it's up to us to make to effort to make the effort to realize them. And stop worrying about what's the next big thing. I like to say, stop worrying about what's next and execute on what's now. Okay, Absolutely. because relationships you build, you can take to any platform. It doesn't matter. They shut down Twitter. They shut down Snapchat. They shut down Instagram. The next one that comes up, those people will still know you. You put up your name, Ivan, your name, Ted, and people go, oh, that's Ted Rubin. I'm going to follow him. He right. was great when he right. was Instagram. So this is where I think things are going. But again, like anything else, just like our politics and our country and anything, it's mm -hmm. about the people. We sure. need to make it the way we want it to be. Absolutely. So again, say in politics, you know, you can't have an effect. Well, you do. You go out and march and you protest and you post things and you share sure. and you get involved in your community. Well, this is our community. It's right here on these freaking boxes that we carry in our hands. Right. And if we want to make it more personal, then we got then we have to demand that it's more personal. And how do you do that best? You set an example yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ted, I, I know we're just about out of time and I appreciate you jamming with, with me. I mean, you, you dropped some really good knowledge and I look forward to articulating that in the highlights of the podcast episode. With that being said, before I let you go, uh, how can people connect with you on, on the web? What are the best platforms that they can connect with you? Okay. It's really easy to connect with me. I'm Ted Rubin everywhere. If you Google me, the first 10 pages um, mm -hmm. is me. Other than the 98-year-old Medal of Award winner from World War II, that's not me. <laughs> um, um, but you can find me at, at Ted Rubin on Twitter, at Ted Rubin on Instagram, Ted Rubin on Facebook, Ted Rubin on, on, on LinkedIn, uh, Ted Rubin USA on YouTube. Um, my phone number is 516-270-5511. Feel free to call me. I actually answer my phone. My email address is tedrubin at gmail.com. And I have a new book that just came out called The Age of Influence, Selling to the Digitally Connected Customer. It also comes out of the Return on Relationship Hub, cool. which is where everything I comes out of. Um, and I'd love to hear from anybody in your audience. Reach out anytime. And again, I want to repeat – you know, something that I said earlier, and, and I don't want your audience to forget because I think it's very in line sure. with what you talk about, is that relationships are like muscle tissue. The more they're engaged, the stronger and more valuable they become. Ivan, thank you for having me on your show. Dad, thank you so much. I appreciate all the knowledge. And uh, again, looking forward to the book, by, by the way, and we'll pick up a copy of it. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast. And there you have it, guys. That was the uh, jam session with special guest Ted Rubin, uh, who I'm so fortunate to have on the podcast. Uh, hopefully the knowledge bombs that he dropped are some good takeaways from you for you on return on relationship. And hopefully you recognize the importance of return on relationship. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it if you enjoyed this podcast feel free to share it with your network out there hopefully other people can have some takeaways from this podcast and find some value in this as well and that's pretty much it for me for episode 13 with ted rubin of the human business narrative podcast once again thank you so much for tuning in and as always keep it human